0: I'm Brett Henley, and you are listening to The Mindful Creator, a podcast exploring what it takes for artists and creators to cultivate meaningful work without losing ourselves along the way. Welcome to episode number two of The Mindful Creator. Today's show is titled Practice Before Promotion. My co-pilot, Paul Jarvis, is a web designer and best-selling author. We spent the last two decades doing design work for some pretty remarkable entrepreneurs, startups, and Fortune 500 companies, including Daniel Laporte, Marie Forleo, the Highline in New York City, and more. In our conversation, Paul and I explore honing our craft versus this mad dash to build bigger and louder platforms. We also discuss what it takes to actually do great work instead of just talking about doing great work and whether the art is ever really enough in this hyper-connected, always-evolving creative economy. All right, welcome to The Mindful Creator. Today, I am hanging out here with Paul Jarvis. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, hey, my pleasure.
0: Okay, well, today we're going to be talking about practice before promotion. And uh, I guess in a nutshell, what we're talking about is why we are so afraid to sort of focus our creative energy on the craft And to build something really compelling versus this sort of mad dash we're all kind of trapped in to build these big, polished platforms, all at the uh, potential cost of doing mediocre work. So one of the questions that comes to mind for me is, you know, how much time are we really spending on talking about what it takes to do great work instead of actually doing great work? So this is kind of what we're going to be exploring today. I'm going to sort of just dive right in and let Paul sort of jump in as well. I think the first order of business for me is you know, it seems like we're kind of afraid that we're going to miss the success train in the short term or that, you know, not enough hearts and minds are going to melt for us if we release our great work. But what do you think, Paul, is enough? You know, how do you define enough in this day and age where creating is so democratized?
1: Yeah, and I think the, I like the analogy of the success train, but I think one leaves every couple minutes. So there's not really, you're you're not going to, if you miss one, there's another one coming. So I think, a lot of what it is is there's now with the internet and gatekeepers removed and I could launch into a whole Seth Godin talk with all of those buzzwords but really like if you want to make work and put it out there you can. If you want to write a book you can put it out there. You don't need a publisher. If you want to draw pictures you can put it on a website. You get to go. If you are a musician you can record your album, upload it to iTunes and you're good to go. So there's it's so democratized now that people are just thinking that, okay, the, the end result is what you need to be focused on. So a lot of people think like, okay, I need to, if I'm a musician, I need to get my album out there. But it's not always the case, right? Like Because a lot of albums suck yeah. and a lot of books suck and a lot of everything sucks. So I think there's really a missed opportunity for creatives to um woodshed basically and i mean coming from a music background woodshed like musicians woodshed by like going into a shed in the wood learning how to play guitar so well that they can get up on stage be drunk out of their minds jump around and still be able to play all the right chords so that and that can take years because when you're at a show you don't want the musician to say like oh wait 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 what chord comes after this they just need to know it and they just need to do it and they just need to get it done and that takes time even if they don't have a like record deal or whatever like that, it still takes time to learn your craft and to hone your craft. And a lot of people miss that. And a lot of people just want to get to, they see this, the internet is really bad for like comparison. So you say, like, okay, well, this person has this success or this fan base, and I want that. So what can I do to get there? Well, what if I just tell everybody about myself as often as possible, and hopefully that will do it. When in fact that person's probably spent years and years woodshedding their skills and their craft and their abilities to get to that point. And it's it's almost always a slow process. Like even overnight successes take decades to get to. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think I think it's, you know, I, I like talking about outcomes a lot just because I feel like that's been one of the biggest banes of my existence as a creator is getting caught up in outcomes instead of losing myself in the process of creating. It's something that's very, very uh difficult, I think, for most creators and artists to, to sort of navigate. But I think also just, you know, reality of dealing with this age of opportunity and this hyper-connected economy that we eat, breathe, sleep, etc., is the fact that we just feel stretched constantly. We feel all this pressure. It's almost as if it's not acceptable not to be stretched in multiple directions, not to be a multitasker. Uh, and it's something I'll get to a little bit later talking about, you know, whether art is enough on its own. That's sort of another whole other beast in its own right, but it's interesting to me that it's sort of we're always striving for more. And it's never okay to sort of just rest in the moment and, and accept that we have a long haul ahead of us and that we have to be patient with the process and that there is a process of learning, a process of gaining knowledge, a process of getting better at your craft. And it just seems to me that very few people advocate that in this day and age. Um, one of the things I wanna talk about too is you recently wrote an article called The Metric of More that I think is really appropriate for this conversation. So I'm gonna cherry pick an excerpt from that. And maybe just go a little bit deeper into that. Sure. But in that article specifically, you said, the problem with the metric of more is that it's dehumanizing. It's usually the biggest problem with this new hyper-connected economy. The reason we put our art into the world is for it to connect. Prioritizing the people it's actually connecting with right now is paramount, even if that's just one person. So maybe talk a little bit more about what you meant there.
1: Sure. So it's easy with the internet to just think of everything in terms of numbers, because if you look at, say, your Twitter followers and you have a thousand followers, you're like, eh, that's, that's okay. But like, so and so has 50,000 followers. Like, I'm I'm five 5,000 times not as good as that person because I only have a thousand followers. I don't even know if my math is right. I don't even give no, a shit. It doesn't but matter. <laughs> so it, it's, but like, when you really think about it, that's a thousand actual people that have actual lives that are. Seeing your tweets or interacting with you in some way, same with like mailing list signups or stats. It's just it's because people get put into numbers for the software to generate the the amount of connection with whether it's like website stats or mailing lists or Twitter followers or whatever like that. So, but it it's we kind of lose that human aspect of it, where it's like, well, these are actually people that have lives that do things that hopefully will buy something from you if they if it resonates with them in some way or provides some value to their life in some way so it's kind of like i don't know like obviously i get caught in that too like I, i just launched a book a few days ago and it's like i was looking at my i was refreshing my stats and i was like seeing how many sales were coming through but then like if you if i step back from it it's like well these are people like if i sell one book in in an hour it's like okay whatever that sucks. But then I'm thinking then when you think about it, it's like, well, that's one person that wanted the book so much that they just gave me money for it. And now they're sitting there reading it and hopefully finding some value from it. So it's like, well, one person is enough in, in that scenario. So it's yeah, it's kind of a double edged sword with the with the technology and the amount of metrics and tracking that we now possess for free or for super cheap. It kind of, yeah, it's a double edged sword there, I think. Yeah, it's it's something that's driven me crazy for for years. You know, I, I I was
0: in branding and marketing and content strategy and all types of different roles, and and I always struggled with the idea of you know tracking and and sort of attaching ourselves to trends, and it seemed to change every other day. And a lot of it's just bullshit hype that we sort of self uh, perpetuate within the industry. It's you know it's not something necessarily that on a universal level I can attribute to uh, something specific that I can say, hey, you know, if you're new. New, a new artist or creator out there trying to establish a platform, this is what you should do X, Y, and Z. It just seems like, you know, technology is always evolving. It's it's sort of a given, and solutions are going to fade as new problems arrive at our doorstep. It's not something that, um, you know, is ever going to change. Trends are always going to drive people by the dozen or the thousands to the latest and greatest, you know, formula or genie in the bottle that they are convinced are going to give them great things in exchange for a little effort. Uh, and it's just, it's maddening to me because... You know, it's so unpredictable, and there's so little context in so much of the metrics that we place value in. you know we, we can look at a thousand Twitter followers and assume a lot of things. We can look at ROI and assume a lot of things we can look at how much time we invest in a particular uh, you know landing page development and say, okay, well, uh, you know, based on uh, m- the metrics and conversions and things that we're looking at, uh, you know X,Y,Z is possible. But the truth of it is is we don't know if the person that clicked through was drinking coffee or or tea that day and whether that impacted their decision-making process. We don't know if they had a bad morning, if their kid you know, stomped them on the way out of the house. There's just so much of that that is not measurable. And when an artist gets caught up in that, it's even more dangerous because our process is so much lengthier and more in-depth, and I think it's something that's very difficult to to, to deal with, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is it's really hard to quantify the amount of engagement per user like say you have a mailing list of a hundred people but they're super engaged they're super into it they every single one of them replies to every email you send every single one of them buys a book when you release a book or something like that versus a mailing list of a hundred thousand people where everybody signed up to get some like ephemeral freebie that And they just have rules in their in their Gmail now that filters all of your emails to uh, a marked as red folder that they're never going to look at. So it's just it's kind of like there's but there's no way to measure that that sort of like how much does this person actually give a shit about you sort of thing and that you can't measure that on a mailing list you can't measure that on on Twitter other than just having conversations with people. Like my mailing list is so much smaller than a lot of other people, but. I, it's also so conversational, and the the reason I like and I don't give a shit if it even scales like I don't think I could do it if I had a hundred thousand people because right now I get hundreds of people replying every Sunday, but like I, I like that i enjoy I enjoy that that's part of why I like sending out emails. I would get bored if it was just me talking in a one way broadcast to people. so I like to switch it up and if it scales, I don't care. But it, it's the fact, that, uh, the fact that people are connecting in some way and, and talking back to me. And I think it's interesting because even more so than just engagement and connection,
0: which is something that is very difficult to put a finger on, uh, whether it's one person or a thousand, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's also this idea that we don't always see all that goes on behind the you know, the aspects that we're trying to measure, you know, the mm-hmm. whole idea that if somebody blows a tire on the side of the road and they use your app to save their ass, that's, uh, you know, then they share it on Facebook with all their friends. You know, I don't know any marketers in the face of the planet that are actually able to measure that in a way that's, that's trackable, the way that they can say, you know what, I can predict that outcome. Uh, and I think it's just, it's one of those things where we get so caught up in it and I think a lot of it is because a lot of artists and creators, let's face it, end up on the web or in a marketing uh, background of some kind or another or in branding. And I think we kind of get s- sort of torn between two worlds where, you know, this new hyperconnected economy, it's all about building the platform and it's not necessarily always about the, how compelling or useful the work is itself. It gets lost in the fray a little bit sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think it's difficult to make that a priority. And I think it's difficult to deal with the pressure of that saying, you know, it's okay for me just to focus on my craft right now because it's what I need to be doing. Uh, it's not going to provide immediate, measurable ROI right now. It's something that's a little bit unpredictable. But I think in the long term, I know that the better I am at this, and the the more quality and the more value that I provide, the 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 more I'm going to get in return long term. And that's just not something that we're
1: wired to, uh, you know, to understand. I guess. Um, I think it's young people, and not to be like old man internet, but when I was young and walk up. Hill to school both ways. We are old it, man internet. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. But that was the thing. Like it was okay. Like even if you look at and I keep bringing stuff back to music for some reason. But if you look at um artist development in the the fifties or the sixties, record labels would sit on bands for a year or more, getting them to practice every day, getting them in the studio for months at a time, just to see where things went. And now it's just like okay, we'll do this in one take. Autotune the fuck out of it, release it in 10 minutes. Like if you look at some of the, the music from um, what you call like TV shows where they've sang it live one night, they did, recorded it in the studio probably that day or the day before, and it's out on iTunes the next day. So, there's no there's no actual time for any development whatsoever. But that's kind of like how the record label the record industry works that's how a lot of things work. And I mean, I think I was lucky that I grew up in a time when things were a little bit different, where you could take a while to work on things. And it's like, well, I, when I started writing about web design, which is one of the first things I started writing about, I've been a web designer for fifteen years. So obviously I had some things to say because I had done my job for 15 years. I started writing about entrepreneurialism when I had about that amount of experience as well. Whereas people now feel like, okay, well, I need to do this thing for six months, and now I'm an expert. Now I can make a product, and an e-course, and a book, and stuff like that. And then they're like, oh, why isn't this selling? It's like, well, you didn't one, you didn't spend time on your craft, and two, there's no way you could have made the connections required to do something like that. Art exists in community, right? So you need to have those connections with people, and those kind of things are organic, and they take time to build. So it's like when I release a book and 100 people tweet about it, it's because... I'm I've I've talked to these people in real life or on the internet for years and I've talked to them not with me saying I want this from you it's just like having conversations with people and that kind of thing takes that it takes time and art I've said this in lots of times but like art's measured in in lifetimes not months right like your the, your body of work as a creative or as an artist is measured in a in a lifetime sometimes even more
0: yeah and I think we know this inherently but for whatever reason to some degree, I think we're just all drowning a little bit in opportunity and expectation. And I, I think, I hate to say that because opportunity is a wonderful, beautiful thing. I mean, I say it all the time, you know, this is the age of opportunity. You know, it's, it's the doors are open, but, you know, the noise is also present. So it's, it's difficult because we see what's in front of us. We see this democratized landscape. We see that the gatekeepers have, have, have tumbled and, and, and that we are, have open roads ahead of us. But then we also see the millions of other people that are vying for for space and attention, and I think we panic. you know I think it goes back to this whole success in the short term. We panic. We think, well, if I don't get it now, if I don't start building that platform now, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how good the art is, it doesn't matter how much I, I, how much energy I focus on my craft, it doesn't matter how much I practice. It doesn't matter how good it is, because if no one's listening, then you know it doesn't, It at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And I think it's that whole, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, no one's listening, yada, yada, yada analogy. Yeah. I think people are just paranoid that uh, they're going to miss their spotlight somehow along the way. And it's interesting. You talk, you know, I know you talk a lot about your journey and how you've built your business and how you've done most of it via word of mouth. So I'm interested, in, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you know, five, six years into your journey, you know, it was a different internet, obviously, but how often did these kinds of thoughts cross your mind? Did you think about how, did it ever, you know, sort of stop you in your tracks and and think, I need to be doing something to build an audience. I need, I need to be focused on growing. I need to be focused on reaching more people. Uh, this word of mouth thing is just not enough.
1: Never. Like the only reason that I started building a platform or whatever, or got involved in social media or content marketing or any of that was because I... I I I was interested more in writing and when I when I released my first book I realized hey I can actually make money writing then I realized that okay I need to start building my audience because with my my web design company I can do maybe 20 25 projects a year and live fine with books if I sold 25 books a year it, obviously that that's not enough so the 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 quantity and the number of people you need to reach needs to scale so for web design I didn't give a shit. Like nobody knew who I was other than the clients that I worked with. And I still had enough word of mouth to be booked months in advance. And I had, for 10 years, almost to the day, I had a one page website that just said, like, something like, My name is Paul Jarvis. I build websites. Here's my client list. Here's my email address. And that was it. And I was still, (coughs) excuse me, booked months in advance through word of mouth cuz i just focused on making my my customers happy and i focused on some specific, very specific niches so i didn't like you don't always even need a a platform that's massive right like if you sell art that's in the like tens of thousands of dollars or something like that you only need to connect with uh, with not that many people right but if you're selling books or CDs or something like that then you need to connect with more so it doesn't always even need to be this economy, this like scale thing, where it has to scale. Like, if I was reaching ten thousand people with web design, I, I I would be booked for like fifty years in advance or something like that, and it, it would just be stupid. I, I never want to grow my business, so I don't care about hiring more people or anything like that. So it doesn't even it doesn't always even need to scale. Sure. Like, it just needs to be enough, <laughs> basically.
0: Right. And I know you've talked about before that you know the obviously the desire to grow and scale is not really been strong for you and that uh, you know running a lean business is important so it's not you know it's not necessary for everyone and i think having that confidence and early on in the journey certainly helps but did it ever cross your mind that uh you know is is just doing this the way i'm doing this is just being a designer and, and growing this slowly ever enough did that did that ever even you know is that something that you ever felt pressure from
1: um yeah, because I've had people who've wanted to like invest in growing my design business and things like that. But I mean, really, like I'm a lone wolf. Like I do my best work when I'm by myself, ignoring everyone else and just getting shit done. So yeah. I've never really been interested in like if I hired, I could probably make twice as much money if I hired a few other people, but they would have to be able, they would have to be just as invested in it as me and it wouldn't be their company. So why would they be? So for me, it's just like, I, I can, I, I do enough work now. Like I, I, I'm not starving, so I don't care. And as well, like I, I'd rather just be like Peter Pan as far as responsibility goes. And if I want like after, uh, what day is it today? The six in 12 days, I'm stopping doing client work until Sometime in September, I don't know when I'm going to come back to it, but like I'm just taking time off because I don't really feel like working. I've, I've worked my ass off for the winter and the spring, and I've had a couple book releases and stuff, so I'm I'm okay to just not work. And if I employees, then I'd have to keep paying their salary. or tell them like, hey, you're taking some time off too now. Sorry, you're not getting paid for this. So I would just rather live. It works the best with the lifestyle that I like to do things the way that I do things.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I, I. I get that. I resonate with that. I think everything I've tried in, in my journey, I've, I've I've started with as lean as possible with the idea that if I get it off the ground and I grow slow, that I can still have some hands on the reins here, so to speak, and grow intentionally because that's much more important to me than growing fast. And obviously, I'm not blowing up at the moment, so that seems to be working. But uh, you know, it allows me to really focus on doing the kind of work that I really want to do. But I think what's interesting, taking your example and your story and trying to translate it to any number of of examples, you know, an artist uh, trying to uh, cultivate some kind of platform for their work, whether they be a painter musician or otherwise, you know, is it possible and probable and maybe even a good idea for them to sort of shun, and I want to talk about the platform sort of in in a little bit, but it's kind of segueing into that, but is it possible for them to sort of shut that part of their brain off and say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm really just going to focus on the work. In this day and age, is that something that is even practical?
1: Um, I, I, I to, yeah, <laughs> Yes and no to answer obtusely. Um, I think there's definitely needs to be, people aren't mindful of the present anymore because there's always like, as I'm saying this, some notification shit just popped up on my computer and made yep. a noise and it made me lose my train of thought. And the only things that I have, for notif- so I have every notification off other than calendar reminders, because that's basically like my virtual assistant. So it, you need to really take time to be, pre- and I can turn that off and I shouldn't, I should have before the call, but I didn't. But so yeah, it's there's, okay. there's ways to be mindful and focus on the present because it's really hard to do the work in front of you when you're thinking about the future. That's just, our brains just aren't wired for that. We're, we're good at one thing at a time. <clears throat> but the the other thing is that we're at a point now where we can share our process as we go with people and that's obviously that's good for platform building or whatever but it's like when I'm writing a book I don't just tell people the day that it's out like hey my book is out I I hype it up with things like Here's an excerpt from the book, and if you're on my mailing list, then you're probably the type of person that wants to read this excerpt. Or I take a picture of me like typing at a computer. So there's ways to, but I'm still doing the work. Like I'm still like if I share an excerpt, I needed to write that chapter anyways. It's going <laughs> it's going in the book. Or if I'm like taking a picture of me writing something or taking a picture of the cover, that work's already done. But it's also good to involve. Other people in it. So they feel like they've got some like skin in the game, basically. So they so they're so they're along for the ride and kind of like the um the creator's curtain has parted a bit and you can kind of see what's what's really going on. Obviously, the best example of this is Austin Cleon, right? Like with his show your work book or his daily blackout poetry or that sort of thing. Like he's an expert at doing the work, but letting people see his process from start to finish. So the it's a balance, right? Like with anything, it's 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 a balance of of doing that a little, but still, like I'm not going to spend eight hours a day on Twitter promoting my book, even if it comes out that day. Like Sunday, I I did a pre-release for a book. I released, I sent out the email, I tweeted about it, and then I went and hung out with my wife and got some coffee and lunch, and then I went on Twitter a bit later, and then I did a bit of writing. So it's not like. If that's all you do is promote, then the 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 balance isn't met. If all you do is make art and never tell anybody about it, then the balance isn't met.
0: And I don't want to spend all day on Twitter, by the way. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> Form over function. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, Austin's a great example because I think he, you know. I think in some ways he's sort of changing the dynamic of promotion to sharing. And I think that's, promotion's sort of a dirty word, let's face it. I mean, I I don't have a problem with it necessarily, but when we talk about promotion, most artists and creators cringe. I think it's just a natural reaction. But I think what he's doing is, in a lot of ways, is taking that dynamic and sort of moving the needle in the other direction and saying, look, it's natural for us to want to share our work, whether it's for validation and acceptance, or if it's just for the fact that we just don't want to create into an echo chamber or a vacuum, you know, it's a natural response. You, know, you create something, you want it to be appreciated in some way, um, and it's not always a negative way. It's not always just for making money. I mean, that's obviously, we all wanna make a living doing this, but um, there's nothing inherently wrong or dirty about wanting to share your work. And I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to do it in a certain way that uh, we lose sight of the fact that it can be simple, that you know, it's not possible.
1: Well, and that's the thing. And it can work for, like, it, it only feels sleazy if you're doing it in a way that isn't you. Like, if you look at the way somebody like Gary V markets and advertises, that probably feels pretty dirty to a lot of people. But it were like, I don't think, I, I think Gary's awesome and one of the smartest people ever because that's exactly the way that he sells and the way that he promotes his work is exactly the way that works for him. It's not yeah. the way that works for me. It's not the way that works for you, right? Yeah. Like, so there's finding that balance. And for for me, what the the balance that I found with promotion versus work is I'm good at sharing. I'm not good at selling. So if I'm writing a book, then I'm gonna share lots of writing. And then when my book comes out, people will be like, oh yeah, I've read Paul's writing for a year. I guess I can spend 10 bucks or 15 bucks on his book. And it becomes an easy sell. I don't need to tell somebody, hey, go buy my book. It's just like my book is out. If you like my writing, you'll probably like this. And it and it works, right? So and like with Austin as well, like he is a, a master at sharing what he does. And then when things when when he releases stuff, it's a no brainer for the people that like his stuff to give him money because they followed along in that journey and that process and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think it's. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think sometimes the problem really is that we sort of have a blanket approach. It's sort of like a wet wool blanket approach to promotion. And the thing is, is what you just said is that it's different strokes for different folks. I think we can all sort of coexist in this practice and promotion uh, world where, you know, it's a lot of it just goes hand in hand by sort of finding and and cultivating and and exploring and experimenting and trialing and airing a lot of what I do with what works best for us. So I think sometimes the, the issue, I think a lot of us run into as artists and creators is that we feel like there's sort of a one way kind of ticket to doing this right. There's a lot of best practices being pushed. There's a lot of expectations being set of how, how, you know, how to best build a social media strategy, whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a coffee shop owner or a painter, it seems to be that sometimes we're trying to paint it with the same broad brushstroke. And, and I think that's where a lot of uh, the intimidation for artists comes in is that we, we don't really feel like we fit in. It's that square peg in the round hole. And I guess in a lot of ways, it's, you know, look. First off, that's bullshit. There is a, a million and one different ways to share your work, and and I encourage people to do it in their own way. I think you look at someone like Derek Webb, who uh, you know obviously is behind Noise Trade and built a an entire uh, fan base and an entire career in music, basically one fan at a time. I mean, yeah, uh, and he's sort of reshaped and broken the mold for himself, time and time and time and time again. And I think that's just one example of many, but the idea that we all have to be bloggers just because we're writers or that we all have to uh, share our uh, you know prints on Pinterest or that we all have to do things a certain way because those formulas and those metrics are there to back it doesn't ring true. And I think that's where the the division has to happen. I think that's where we need to be
1: more self-aware. So Yeah, and then we get burned out. Like if, if somebody reads like, okay, these are like the, if you're writing a book you have to promote it on Facebook and then you're on Facebook and you're like oh, I don't really like this and you burn out and then you feel frustrated that you should be on Facebook promoting when it's just like fuck if it's not working for you like I've some of my author friends don't use social media and sell more books than I do because they do book tours or some author friends like me write for their mailing list religiously and that's how they connect with their audience so there's like it doesn't there's no best practices for that like you said, it's just kind of, and the the reason that I write for my mailing list every Sunday is because I like it. Like I, nobody told me this is the best practice you need to do it. It's just I, I like doing it. so I'm not going to burn out doing something I actually enjoy. So I don't even have a Facebook account. I could give a rat's ass about Facebook. and i still I still do ok with my work without ever having a Facebook account. yeah,
0: I left Facebook three or four months ago. <laughs> and I can tell you it's probably the the best feeling I've had in a long time. Nice. I mean, just just stepping away from it. It's not you know, it's just not dogmatic. It's just, for me, it was just something I felt like I needed. And it's given me a lot of peace, not having that extra little bit of pressure. And, and you know, it's sort of a black hole of negativity for me anyways. But it's interesting because I think in, some, in so many ways, you know, artists especially uh, feel, they feel sort of disconnected a lot of times from their work. And I think the reason they feel disconnected is because they're trying way too hard to be too many things at once. And I think if you really focus on alignment and focus on, What resonates, like what you just said, you you know, focusing on doing what you enjoy. I mean, that's that's the biggest shift I've made in probably the last year of my work is just instead of focusing on doing what I think I should be doing, is focusing on what I enjoy doing. So you know, I've changed everything from from how I write to when I write to to what I write and so forth and so on and all the little details that come with that, all based on uh, not just instinct and heart and head and all the other things that play into to making great art, but also just honoring that my energy and the ebb and flow, that's going to be different every day. You know, mm-hmm. and I have some structure to my creative process. I'm not just, you know, jumping on the saddle every day and just kind of riding blindly. It's its just that I don't marry myself to rigid, rigid structure so that I can't, uh, you know, evolve and I can't move and shift as needed. And I think there just tends to be expectations in this new age where there's all this pressure to build an audience and build attention that we're not allowed to do that. You know, that we're not allowed to, uh, you know, enjoy the work that we're not allowed to make decisions based on what feels right.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and it's it a lot of it too has has to do with time. Like people don't stick with it long enough anymore. I I found, and people just because being working for yourself as a creative is like the the new big thing. It's like okay, well, I gotta I gotta quit my job and go at this full time, and like oh, it's been two months and I I can't make rent, so now I've completely failed. Whereas like. Uh, most of the people I know that are my age, like worked at their art on the weekends or in the early mornings or in the evenings after work for a long time. And then when they did, um, like go for it full time, they they had that established like client base or a, a body of work that was big enough to support them, or or that sort of thing. So it's just kind of like people are trying to jump headfirst into it so quickly and feeling like a failure way too soon. That it's like people don't give themselves a chance to, to incrementally grow as artists anymore. They're just like, okay, I'm either making hundreds of thousands of dollars a week with my art, or I've completely failed and I need to go get a job at a bank or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's two ends of the extreme, which kind of brings me to the idea of what what the hell a platform even is in this day and age. Because I know we talk a lot about it. There's books written about it. It's being blogged about to the high heavens here. I am having a hard time these days, really even defining it anymore, and I'm not sure it needs to be defined. But I'm curious what what your sort of take is on what a platform actually looks like or might look like in this day and age of hyperconnectivity and noise.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's a, something that I, I, that I've thought about as well, and I I really think platform is just connection. Like it's a it's a fancier way to say that you're connecting with people. And it doesn't even matter how, right? Like it could be talking on the phone or Skype. It could be email. It could be social media. It could be going to networking events. Like it, it, it it's just connecting, connecting with people and connecting with the right people that are the type of people that want to pay attention or give you money for the art that you make. And it doesn't like it like I said earlier, like it doesn't matter if that's one person or two people or five million people. Like it's just, about connection, and it takes time to connect with more people in a real way. Like, I could send an email to the top 100 bloggers and just like, hey, my name is Paul Jarvis. I'm a best selling author. Can you promote my book on social media? I bet you zero, if I hadn't actually, if I hadn't like previously talked to them, zero of them would promote my book. Whereas if I sent an email to 100 people that I just know and shoot the shit with and talk and if I have a question, then I ask them and they help me. If they have a question, they ask me and I help them kind of thing. And if I, if I ask those people, I, every single one of them would because they, like we, we have that connection. We've, we've, we've talked and we've exchanged ideas and we've helped each other hopefully. So and, but that takes time. Like you just can't sit around and like okay, I'm going to help these 100 famous bloggers and then they're going to promote my shit. Like it just yeah. <laughs> you'd come across as like the biggest douche in the entire world if you yeah, did that. Pretty much. So it takes yeah, it it takes time and it takes a lot of like just actually being interested in other people, which is hard for artists a lot of the time because we're a little narcissistic about our work being the most important thing ever. But it, it makes sense to be, to come at our art. front, And I write about this in, uh, well, I don't know. I wrote about this somewhere. But it, it makes sense to be in the the field of art that you work in. It makes sense to be part of that audience at some point. So if you're, on, I'll keep bringing you back to music, because that's what we're talking about. It's okay. It's that's, very
0: appropriate. So <laughs>
1: It's the example I keep using. So when I was in a band, I didn't just like write music and play music and play shows and record albums. Every night that I wasn't playing for a while I was playing shows a few times a week, but those nights that I wasn't playing shows and didn't have rehearsal, I was at bars supporting other local bands and buying them drinks and just like being part of that scene and where at where I came up in music, there was like a pretty big like indie rock scene for for quite a while. So everybody it wasn't and it wasn't even like these bands would be basically considered competition quote unquote you can't see my air quotes so i have to tell you air quotes yeah it's okay i'm I'm picturing in my head it's good there you go so a lot of artists feel like other artists in their field are competition because the audience could give you money or that money could go to somebody else where well that's not really the case it's like if you like indie rock you're gonna buy lots of indie rock albums you're not just gonna buy one album and be like this is the only album I'm ever going to listen to forever. So artists that do the same thing are are community. They're not competition. So being part of that, being part of somebody else's audience and being part of somebody else's community really gives you the inside scoop with, okay, when I'm the when I'm on stage and doing my thing, how is the audience going to react, or how can I connect better with the audience? Because you've been there, you've been you've been the person in the front row, or been the person at the end of the show that buys the the bass player a drink because nobody buys the bass player a drink, kind of thing. So yeah, it, it's it's important to kind of come at it from from that angle. I think where everybody like we're all in this together, and like people don't succeed at art very well if it's just them. Like it's usually our art. Does really well when it's part of a movement when it's like part it, of a movement when
0: you when you're focusing on build, you know creating something that's compelling in the first place, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And if there's other people doing that, then that just makes that just makes it even stronger. Yeah. So it's just uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I, I find it pretty interesting
0: well, I think it's it goes back to a, a much simpler version of what we view a platform to be, and I think it's community, it's connection. It's things that we've you know, on paper managed to overcomplicate to the nines where we, you know, we can plan and strategize valuable connection and community all day long. I mean, there's there's books written all over the place about this. You know, there's formulas for this. Uh, platform building in some ways has become entirely formulaic. But I think what we're talking about, and I agree with you, what what I resonate most with is your platform is 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 not defined by one thing. It's not defined by just the art. It's not defined by the actions that you take, the sharing. Uh, it's not defined by how big your email list is. It's not defined by how many subscribers you have on your blog, et cetera. It's it's, it's an ecosystem. You know, it's an ecosystem that you've built through an intentional action that you've built by connecting with other people but that, that they've helped build by sharing and a lot of other things by having conversation, by appreciating your art in different ways. I, I, could, I couldn't possibly list all the possibilities there that kind of go into it. But the point I guess I'm making is, you know, we have so much focus on being these multi headed hydras, right? You know, we have to be blogging and having epic social strategies and, you know, writing ebooks about writing ebooks about selling e courses. And it's just, we're spending a tremendous amount of energy in diversifying versus just creating. I mean, mm-hmm. and really creating based on what fuels us, based on what purpose in the why that really started the journey in the first place it's like we lose sight of that down the road because we're so focused on doing all of these things and uh you know I, I just it's i see it all the time i see great riders people that are are just you know early in their journeys that are are sort of just budding and they're coming into their own and or maybe they're exploring and they're they're shitty as hell right now, but I can see the potential there. And six months later, I'll see them on Twitter or somewhere, and they're they're now a life coach or a writing coach or something of that nature. And you know, their Twitter bio went from writer and maybe six or seven other words to to full character blowout of you know how they're helping people live the life of their dreams and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, I see that shift happening, and I I see to me see a lot of that coming out of fear and fear of relying on what you're creating as being enough and saying, you know what, I am a writer and this is what I do. And I don't have a plan. I don't know. I don't have a compass. I don't have a map to navigate this. Uh, I just, I'm going based on instinct and I'm creating what I think is, is interesting and what resonates with me. And I'm sharing it with people and trying to build love and build connection with that. And I see so many people run away from that. And it's, it, it, it pisses me off to some degree, uh, but for the sake of not being a total jackass, I will say that uh it also it you know, it also makes me a little sad. It's just I've seen some very talented people walk away from really focusing their energy on creating art and becoming better at their craft. You know, it takes time because they feel like, well, if I don't build this big platform, if I don't have this all these multifaceted, uh, you know, multiple revenue streams, et cetera, uh, then I'm just gonna be forgotten, you know, that I'm just not gonna make it. And I just I think to me that's the biggest, most dangerous aspect of this new day and age and uh, where, where we're all able to be creators and where we're all able to be hyper-connected um, is that we sometimes lose sight of things.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the allure of opportunity, basically. And I mean, I'm in that position now where people email me all the time where it's just like, oh, well, do you want to like teach this class or make this webinar or do this this and this and this and i i pretty much say no to all of it like i'm not against it i i'm sure i will teach a class at some point but i like i would rather right now and i don't i don't do speaking engagements like i'm probably the only author that sells the the number of books that i do that doesn't give a rat's fucking ass about speaking And I know speaking pays well. Like I know people that make a lot of money, like more money speaking than books. But that's become the thing. It's like, okay, well, you write a book. It does well. Now you go and do the speaking circuit and give the same talk every night and make even more money. And it's just like that works for some people and good for them if that's what they really want to do. But it's just like, I don't know, I'd rather sit at home with my wife and rats and and write more (laughs) kind of thing. Like, I I don't I don't feel like I've, I've got the the writing books thing down yet. So I don't really want to like stretch myself too thin. And I mean, people don't, art its like the, and it, it's, it happens now. It's happened, it's happened forever where artists are like lured into these opportunities by, by business or by money or by, by popularity or, or whatever, where it's just like, well, if you only do this, then you will get to the next level. And if that's something that's going to work for you anyway, and all the power to you. I have no problem with artists making money. Make as much money as you can because it's really fucking hard to make money with anything creative. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with money. I just have a problem with people, like you were saying, where you get stretched in so many different directions and your art, uh, and your art starts to suffer. And then what you got popular for in the first place no longer exists. Because you don't have nearly enough time to focus on that craft,
0: or you're building so, a house of cards on on top of a faulty foundation because you never
1: focused that on it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I don't like I don't have a problem with with people doing that if it works for them. But it, it's uh, yeah, it, people just don't self reflect anymore either. It's kind of like if if I think about doing speaking engagements, it's like okay, one, I am I just saying no to it because I'm scared. And part of me, like I don't like public speaking, but I have done public speaking. And I just don't feel like, I don't like to travel for work. I like to travel like just my wife and I in a car doing road trips and camping. So the type of travel I would be doing if I was doing speaking isn't really, like I fucking hate flying. I'm always the random airport check too, which pisses me off. So it's just like there's so many things that I don't like about doing that. Why would I do it? And people are just like, well that's the next next step. And I get speaking engagement offers. And it's just like, I appreciate you asking, but that's I'd rather focus on my writing right now. And it's if I'm being true to myself, then that's 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 a valid point to me. And yeah, I might make less money just writing books than I would writing books and also having a platform to give like keynote speeches or whatever. But I don't care. Like I, I, I kind of really like what I'm doing and where I'm at with things now. So I want to keep exploring that and keep focusing on what people are paying attention to in the first place, which is writing for some reason. Yeah, and I, I think
0: I think it's really important to what you just said to make uh, uh, make it known that it's not everybody has to be on the fast track to becoming an expert. I think it's okay to just focus on your art. It's okay to be, become really fucking good at what you do first. It just means it's going to take a little longer, and you have to accept it and be patient with the process. And I think that's the difference. Is it's not that we're saying you know it's you know don't don't build a big platform if that's what you want. If you you know if you want to be the next Chris Brogan, you know Chris is a, an amazing. Uh, a speaker. He's he he's a fantastic writer. He's he's a very successful person. I don't want his platform personally. Uh, I I respect what he's built. I could say the same thing about Chris Gillibo. I could say the same thing about a lot of guys. That people that I respect the work, the legacy that they're leaving behind and what they're building. But I would never want necessarily want that for myself. And I think that's the thing that we don't talk about. That's sort of the monster under the bed, the elephant in the room, so to speak. It's that we all sort of feel like we have to wear the same skin and. The truth of it is, is that every artist comes from a different mold and it's up to you to make that mold. It's not something that, you know, I I know, like my friend, AJ Leon says often, he talks a lot about scalability, but he had written a piece a while back that, uh, you know, talked about a world that worships at the altar of infinite scalability, that it doesn't take much to surprise people. It doesn't really take that much extra effort. If you go the extra mile and you focus on quality, you know, there is a place for you. Because we're in a world where that's just not as appreciated as it should be. We're all obsessed with the hustle. We're all obsessed with the science of success. It's everywhere. So jumping into the fray and, and, and going that route is certainly viable, but just understand what you're dealing with and what you're getting into. The altern- Doesn't make the alternative any less viable or any less important. It just means that you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to maybe you know shake things up and try some new things to get your work out there and get it heard. But it doesn't mean that it's not important and it doesn't mean that the art's not enough. It just means that your route's going to be a little different.
1: Yeah, exactly. And everything, it takes time. <laughs> with anything else, it's not just, not, everything doesn't just happen with the click of a single button. No, not at all.
0: I'll ask a couple more questions, uh, and then sure. I think we'll kind of go towards the end of the, our time here. But I'm curious if, well, I guess this is more of a how question. How How do you think we align practice and honoring the craft and really focusing on that? How do we balance that or align that with, the efforts to build success in the short term. So, how do we balance
1: long term with short term, and can that's, we? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. I mean, for somebody like me, I don't have goals. Like, I have kind of directions. I think I might want to go. But like, when people ask, like, "Oh, what's your <laughs> five year plan for your writing?" I say, like, "I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be writing books in five years." Like, but at at the same time. I know that I'm not gonna. There's no way that I can write even the next book unless I sit my ass down in a chair and write all as often as possible. So I treat the, my my craft like a job, and I always have. And that's why I've I've written some angry pieces, old man internet style pieces about the whole do what you love paradigm, and we get we get caught up or like follow your passions. Oh right? yeah. All of that, like obviously, I, I don't have a problem with people doing what they love or following their passions, but it gets kind of in that state of mind. It can get lost that you have to do work. And I can love my art, but not love the trappings of it. Like I can love doing web design for people, but some days clients are going to piss me off so much that I just want to scream. I'm still doing what I love, but I, I, the, the trappings of it on on any particular day, I could be stressed out, I could be angry, I could want to just throttle somebody. So, but I, but I still sit down and do the work. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, I I sound in, in that paradigm. I sound a lot like a killjoy, and people email me all the time about my negativity. To which I reply, "Fuck you," because I don't really care. But so that's one way to is, do it. Well, yeah. exactly. I, it's it's platform building. I'm, yeah, I'm known as like the asshole, so might as well keep up appearances. But I also cater to my audience, and I know who is my audience and who isn't my audience, and whoever isn't my audience, they're entitled to their opinion. They just don't have to share it with me. But getting off track completely. But the um yeah, so the point that I was trying to make before I got on that little diatribe is that the, the long-term success, the long-term goals in that only happen when you really focus and and do the work. So it doesn't even matter if you know what you're going to do in the long term, you still have to just do the work. Like, and it 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 sounds kind of platitude-y and over motivational, but like you need to sit your butt down and do it as, do your art as often as possible and spend time with it yeah and that way if you do want to have a career doing that art in 5 years you, you're building the foundation for that if you do want to have if your art requires a platform that's bigger than a handful of people then you're laying the groundwork for that and you're you're doing your art and you're connecting with people so you just got to do the work yeah. i need a t-shirt i know i know do the work son do the work yes. Thoughts by Paul Jarvis. Um,
0: yeah, I think it goes back to this question of is the art ever enough? When, and the, the answer for me is hell yes, it's enough if you sit your ass in the chair and you work at it every day. And I think for me, that's, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend, I mean, my hands raised right now. You know, I, I'm guilty as charged at times where I focus way too much on the end game and thought, well, you know, if I do X, I'm going to see a Y result. And, you know, puppies and unicorn rainbows are going to flood you know, the room and everything's going to be joyful. And the truth of it is, is our expectations get us into bad relationships with our work often. And expectations fueled by internal, by fear, uh, by a number of things, by ego, but also external, all of this noise out there around how and what and why we should build what we're building. And what I implore people to do often is, you know, take a step back and try to really meditate. And I don't mean literally, but sort of meditate on what this really means for you. What 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 are you really trying to build? And it sounds like a really lofty, heady, silly question to ask. But I think you'd be surprised how how I would say not how often, but how how not often people ask this question, and how we don't really take the time to reflect and become fully self aware of what we really want to build until we're down the road five years and we've got that platform already built under us, and we're looking at it saying, "Is this the legacy I want to leave behind?" And I think I see all this urgency out there, and and my thing is is you know, we can be that blend of tech and business savvy and, and creativity, and still be an artist. We don't have to lose sight of that. But I'm also not ready to give up on imagination and talent. I think we're, we live in a world where talent tends to be a little underrated, which sounds crazy to say, but I think we're so focused on hard work and hustle to, the, to, to a fault that sometimes we we lose sight of the fact that that it's okay for somebody to lean a little bit on ability and get better at that, and then use hard work as a force multiplier, which it's always been. It's not, it's not like this is new. Um, but I, I just, I see that we're often ready, far too ready to marginalize talent. Uh, and it's all in this sort of this sphere of the science of success that we're trying to bottle and sell. And, and my, my thing for any artist and creator is that, you know, seek alignment, figure out what you can do day to day that feels right, that resonates and figure out how to align your real life and your creative life and, a way that feels, uh, feels right for you. And more importantly, uh, focus on the now. I mean, focus on being present in your work. Focus on enjoying the process, which sounds really overly simple, but it's just so powerful. When you focus on enjoying the actual creative process, even though it can be boring as hell at times. Well, and that's the thing with art, like, everything.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing with, uh, with like, we get into art because we're so in love with the process, we're so in love with making stuff. And then we start making stuff. Then we get so in love with and so idyllic towards the outcome. When it's like the reason we got into it in the first place, the the reason I I, I play music is because I like like writing music. But then when I was in a band for a long time and touring and stuff, it's just like, okay, well, we need to make like, we need to sell this many tickets to this show. We need to sell this many albums. And then like I kind of burned out on music because it got too much into the business side. It got too much into the metrics. And it's just like, wait a minute, the whole reason I started doing this was because I like to sit around with my guitar and put chords and words together. And we we lose track of that. And it, it's a shame. Because a lot of good artists might be amazing at their craft, and they lose track of it for whatever reason. Right? Like it just kind of, it's a shame, I think, when when that happens, because like i said the, the reason we get into it in the first place is because it's something we enjoy doing and then we find a way to productize it and to market it and to build a platform upon it and then it becomes less magic like the the magic the alignment just kind of goes away and yeah it's a shame
0: it is i think it's a lot of it's just the pressure i think a lot of it's just that we live in an age that um you know i think some in some ways we've kind of sort of change the relationship or the dynamic of creating to the point where I think a lot of artists feel disconnected uh, from their work in a way that's sometimes difficult to put a finger on. And sometimes they don't realize they're disconnected. And that's the even more dangerous aspect of it is that you think you're creating for the right reasons or for the reasons that really fuel you and that, that sort of drove you to be an artist in the first place. And it's very easy to get out of alignment with that and not realize you're out of alignment. So I think a lot of that comes from, again, focusing on outcome, focusing on uh, all the rough edges that we have to polish both in ourselves and in our processes to be that perfect artist that's going to achieve success in the short term. And uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting success. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful and to have uh, you know, financial backing for what you're doing, to have that patronage both on a connection level but also on a tangible financial level so that you can actually do this for a living. But at the end of the day... Still making art, and it's you can't lose sight of that. And I think it's just one of those things where uh, it takes a lot of a time and trial and error to just sort of get yourself back to to reset point. But, anyways, before I get on another diatribe in a soapbox, because I talk about this all day, uh, I have one more question for you. And this is sure. sort of a question that I ask often uh, and to myself mostly, which is, I guess, kind of weird when you think about it. I'm talking to myself, but
1: uh, as long as you don't refer to yourself in third person, I guess. Yeah,
0: I, I don't do that. Yeah. So, that, so I'm good there. I'm, I'm safe. But, you know, I'm interested, and this is sort of more close, I think closely aligned with the overarching sort of focus of this podcast. But I always say that, you know, artists and creators, there's always going to be more finish lines to cross. It's a never ending process. You know, every time we see a horizon, we, we get to the horizon, there's another one waiting for us. It's just, there is no arrival, so to speak. Yeah, you can't win at art. No, you can't. So <laughs> what do you think it takes to just let go of that and accept that where we are right now is where we're supposed to be?
1: Um, well, I think two things, right? Like, and we talked about both of them. But su- summing up, it's a, the the self reflecting to make sure you're on track with yourself and with what you're comfortable and with and with what motivates you. And the other thing is just that it it if you enjoy it, like it doesn't it doesn't matter if, if you're a runner. It's it's not always about crossing the finish line. It's about that you're running because you like running. And yeah, there's a finish line, but you if if that's all you cared about you could drive or bike to it <laughs> but you are getting to it on foot because you enjoy running so yeah we lose we lose track of that and it, it's a shame and i think that the the more time we spent off of social media or checking our stats or whatever and the more time we just spent with a little bit of reflection the the, the more the closely the better we can align with ourselves And it's stupid that we need to actually work at aligning with ourselves, but we do. Like none of us are that enlightened that we're just always in alignment with ourselves. It's a constant struggle, and it it takes hard work. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think that's great. I think it's humility and grace. You know, I think it's yeah giving ourselves permission to just be us, to be flawed, to be fucked up, to be imperfect, to be all the things that we are, probably throughout the journey to be honest, you're never going to polish all the edges it's just impossible, so I think accepting that now and just saying, you know, look slow down, enjoy the ride, because as cheesy as it sounds, trust me, you're going to create much better work as a result of it, so I think, uh, so that's great man, I really appreciate the time Uh, I appreciate all the great insights Uh, you know, obviously uh, this is a very tailor made conversation for you, so uh, I wish you the best of
1: luck and I really appreciate you being here yeah, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on. And I had a lot of fun today.
0: Thank you for listening to The Mindful Creator. Uh, all of our episodes live on our show page at wecraftstories.com slash podcast, uh, where you will find show notes for each episode with information on our guests, relevant links, and the ability to subscribe and receive new episodes as I publish them. You can also listen and subscribe to episodes on iTunes. Uh, And if you can spare a few moments to leave a review there, it is greatly appreciated. It will really help us reach more artists and creators like yourself. Last but not least, you can connect with me and say hello on Twitter, at Brett Henley. Uh, I wish you all of the best on your creative journey, and I will see you in the trenches.